Thank you very much, praise team, this morning. If you have your Bibles, I'll invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 4. As we look, continuing our way through the book of Acts, if you haven't been with us, just a real quick catch-up because part of the background of today's text is important. We saw last week in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, they were headed to the temple, and as they were on their way to the temple... They encountered a lame man who had been lame his entire life. He had not been able to walk for over 40 years, we'll find out in this morning's text. And they didn't have any money to give them. That's, that's what he was doing there. He was lying there uh, begging, asking that people would give things to him, money that he could uh, be able to live. And they didn't have any, but they gave him something that was much more valuable. They pointed him to Christ and then we found out later in chapter 3 that in this man's faith in responding to Christ, he was healed. His legs were healed by Christ. And so today we're going to see that as this took place at the temple, that apparently it caught the attention of several of the religious leaders that were there. And they weren't too keen about this entire deal. So this is what we'll see today. We're going to see that Jesus is the one that saved this man, the lame man. We're going to see that Jesus is the one that can save all men. And then we're also going to see that there shouldn't be anything on earth to stop us from telling others about this. So in Acts chapter 4, we'll begin reading in verse 1. I want to say welcome this morning to some of our college students. I know that some are back that have been at school. Glad to have you all back with us. Congratulations to those that have graduated. Acts 4 verse 1 says, And as they were speaking to the people... The priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem, with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? So here's the setting for today, right? You have Peter and John. They were there. They healed the lame man. Uh, people all from all over gather. Everybody that saw this, they were amazed by this. So they gather up and they come around and, and they want to know what's going on. Peter, seeing this crowd, takes the opportunity to share with them about Christ, about how this man had been healed, about who Christ was, about what Christ had done, about how they can respond to Christ. Brother Don Hollis taught us about that Wednesday night very well, that call for response there in this text. And so right after that, the leaders that are there don't like what's going on. And so they come and they arrest Peter and John. They, they detain them and hold them till the next day when they can have uh, an adequate questioning of them. And they get all the religious leaders together and they come to ask them these questions. And we see here in verse 7 what is in my mind the big ticket question in this text. Really, it's where we see this whole text hinging on this, this real big question that these leaders ask Peter and John. By what power or by what name did you do this? So they saw the miracle, right? The miracle itself is not in question. They're not questioning whether or not this man was healed. That's clear to everyone. They've seen this man. He was taken there daily. 
to lay at this temple gate. And so everybody that comes in the temple every day has seen this man. They've seen him for years and years. They are amazed. It's clear that his legs did not work and they now do work, right? He's leaping and standing. It appears that he's even standing with them here while they're being questioned. So that's not in question whether or not the miracle took place. What is in question is how the miracle took place. These Sadducees, which are literally the ones that run the temple, they know we didn't give them the authority to heal this man. So who did? And we also know that men don't have the power to do such things, so they want to know who gave you the authority to do this, and more than that, who gave you the power to do this. And so then we see the answer from Peter, beginning in verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this has been by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. So Peter, right again, he's bold because of the Holy Spirit. He has the, the proper answer because of the Holy Spirit. And he's just, he just puts it right there before them. They say, hey, we want to know who gave you the authority. We want to know who gave you the power. And, and Peter, he, he answers them very cordially, right? He recognizes who they are. He speaks to them in a polite way. And he, he addresses, if you want to know how it is that this crippled man has been healed, then I'll tell you, it's by Jesus Christ of Nazareth. What he says here is that literally Jesus is the one that has healed this man. He's the one that has the authority. He's the one that has the power to do it. And just to make sure that there's no confusion about what Jesus is talking about, he refers to him as Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, just to make sure that there's no mistakes here about who it is that has the power to heal this man. Now, on the surface level for us, that doesn't seem like it's a very big deal for this answer. We expect this answer, right? We heard the speech of Peter in chapter 3. We know that Jesus has miraculous ability. We know that Peter and John, without Christ, are just men Without him, there's nothing different. There's nothing special about these men. But you have to imagine, right, they're speaking not directly to us originally. They're speaking to this Sanhedrin, this group of leaders that are gathered around them in a semicircle. So they're standing in the middle, and there are these men all around. And these men are skeptical. They do not have the faith that we have. They do not have the context that we have. So they saw some of them at least, saw Peter walk up to a man that was crippled and say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that you'll be healed, right? And so they see him grab this man's hand and pick the man up and the man be healed. So in their mind, it appears that the one that healed this man is who? Peter, right? To them, it looks like Peter is the one that's done this. And Peter says, oh, no, 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 no. Let me be very clear. I don't have this sort of authority. I don't have this sort of power. Jesus is the one that has this sort of authority and has this sort. I know it appears that I did it, but it wasn't me. It was Jesus. And now, I've seen a picture of this just this week, and so I wanted to share it with you because in my mind, this is directly where my mind went to. Um, so I have a van 
Some of you know about my van. There's a saga that goes along with my van. And my van's been in the shop for an extensive period of time. And I've talked to the technician that's been working on my van lots and lots of times. And he has been working diligently. He's been doing everything that he can to try and fix his van. But every time I talk to him, it's the same story. He says, Mr. Kilpatrick, I've been doing everything that I can. But the problem is I don't have the power and authority to get what I need. There are some more parts that I need that I can't get on my own. I've done absolutely everything I can, but I can't, if we'll use the wording we see here, I can't heal your van unless somebody that's above me, that has more authority than me, gives me the things that I need. And so one day, I pray that that man that is above him will give him the parts that he needs, and he will be able to fix the van. And what would happen on that day if you were there? You would see this technician taking these things and putting them in the van, and what you would think is that Daniel, this technician, is the one that fixed the van. But what Daniel would tell you is... I couldn't do it on my own, right? It wasn't me. You saw me putting the parts together. But unless somebody that had more authority than me gave me what I needed, this van would still be broken. And that's exactly what Peter tells him here. Peter says, what you can't see is what's going on behind the scenes. You saw me grab the man's hand and pick him up. But what you didn't see was God who had left heaven and come to earth and lived a perfect life and dying on a cross made atonement for my sins, who God then raised from the dead and has ascended to heaven, Him giving me the power that I need to heal this man. That's what you couldn't see. And Peter boldly and clearly tells them, this is what took place. And so point one this morning is this, Jesus is the one that healed this man, right? He uses Peter as a tool, but Peter is not the one that healed this man. And he makes that clear. And again, that's not shocking to us. That's not surprising to us. But to this Sanhedrin, to this group of ruling Jewish people, this would have been shocking to hear. Jesus, you mean the one that we killed is still healing lame? And they had seen Jesus do miracles. They got furious when Jesus performed miracles. And now they're hearing that Jesus is still performing miracles, even though they thought they'd killed him. And I love Peter here does something in verse 9 that that we don't quite see because of the language barrier. But he, he's addressing the question that they have for them. He says, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? And that word healed in its literal form is the word for saved or delivered. And so what Peter says, if y'all want to know how this crippled man has been saved from being crippled, if y'all want to know how this lame man has been delivered from being crippled, I'll tell you. It's by Jesus. And then in verse 11, some of y'all may have been around, some of you may have friends that are very good at evangelism. They're very good at, at, at starting up a conversation with somebody and then turning that conversation to be about Christ in a very special way. And making it very personal for them. That's exactly what Peter does here. Look with me in verses 11 and 12. He says, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other, no name, no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be 
saved. And the root word is the same between healed and saved. So, so Peter says, listen, y'all are asking about how a lame man was healed. You want to know how this man was saved? It was by Jesus. He says, and while we're talking about Jesus saving people, let me tell you, not only did Jesus save this man from being crippled, but Jesus is also the one that can save all men from being lost. He says there's salvation in no one else. There's no other name given among men by which we must be saved or delivered. And Peter just beautifully takes this conversation that was about a man that had been healed and turns it to tell these people in a personal way, Jesus will heal you as well. You were broken. You are not whole. You are spiritually lame. You are spiritually crippled. But in Jesus, you can be delivered as well. Point two, Jesus is the one that can heal all men. The only one that can heal all men. But brothers and sisters, that's 100% true. I love how Peter does that. Oh, let me tell you. You want to know how this man was delivered? Let me also tell you how you can be delivered. And it's by Jesus. There's no one else. And so then we have to see their response. How do they respond to this bold teaching of Peter in verse 13? Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition but when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. So right, the council, they see the man healed, they question Peter and John. Peter says, listen, Jesus is the one that healed this man. I didn't heal this man. Jesus healed this man. He can heal you too. And they say, all right, y'all get out. We've got to talk for a minute. Y'all get out. So they kick them out, and they say, what are we going to do? We don't really have a good argument, right? They're the ones that healed the man, and they are telling everybody that Jesus did it. Everybody's seen the man healed. We can't deny that. Everybody's heard Peter preaching. We can't stop that. But maybe, just maybe... We can stop them from doing it anymore. And I love that it says that when these Sadducees, when these leaders saw the boldness of these common, uneducated men, they were astonished. And it, they recognized that these men had been with Jesus. Because of their boldness, because of something about them and the way that they talked about Jesus and the way that they told the truth about Jesus, it was clear that these men had been with Jesus. And I pray that whenever you and I have conversations with people, that the way that we talk about Jesus makes it clear that not only have we heard about Jesus, but we know Jesus. I pray that whenever we talk to people at the grocery store or at the restaurant or, or in class or wherever it is, that they, when we walk away, they say, that's somebody that knows Jesus. I don't know a whole lot, but I know one thing, that guy knows Jesus. And so what's, what's their only choice to have? Their last-ditch effort. Let's just scare them. Let's warn them not to talk about Jesus anymore, and that'll put an end to this whole deal. So what do you think Peter and John did? Tucked their tails and ran? No, you don't know Peter and John well if you think that. Verse 19, But Peter and John answered them, 
Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Here's the answer. You threaten us. You scare us. You do what you got to do, right? This is a judging, ruling group of elders, and so they tell them, we understand that you may have to judge, and you may have to do something. You do what you got to do. We're going to do what we've got to do, because we cannot help but tell people what we've seen and what we've heard, and we have seen and we have heard Jesus. Point three, the last point. Nothing could stop these men from witnessing about the truth. And I read from 1 John earlier, and if you remember when we were in 1 John, we saw over and over that the truth is Jesus. Jesus is the truth, right? He's the way and the truth and the life. These men had seen the truth. These men had seen Jesus. They had seen His power. They had seen His mercy. They had seen His love. They knew that He was God, and they couldn't be silent. They couldn't. It didn't matter how much you threatened them. It didn't matter what you took away from them. They could not stop. We're not scared of you. Do what you have to, but we're going to tell people about Jesus. And brothers and sisters, as I look at this story, I ask myself the question, is this me? Am I the type of person that says, think about me what you want to think about me. Make fun of me if you've got to make fun of me. Leave me out of things if you've got to leave me out. You do what you've got to do, but what I've got to do is tell people about Jesus. Do I have the type of boldness that people see me and they say, that's a guy that's been with Jesus. That's a guy that knows Jesus. Because we have these sort of conversations all the time. You tell people, right, you may not have, not literally this, you may not heal a lame man and they say, how'd you do that? But there are things in our life all the time that people want to know, how'd you do that? Right, so we've got some of our graduates here, and some people say, how in the world did you make it through that degree program? How in the world did you do that? Right? Or, I get this all the time. She's not in here, so you can feel free to tell her. But, but people see my wife, how beautiful she is, and they say, preacher, how did you do that? I say, it's Jesus. We get a promotion, or some job or we're able to get uh, these really nice things right or we have these big accomplishments in life or maybe you just do a generous act for somebody you pay for their meal or you leave a nice uh, more than expected tip and people ask us how why would you do this how did you feel compelled to do this? and lots of times we just say oh i just wanted to or i just wanted to be, or i worked hard but brothers and sisters right there right in front of us, we have an opportunity to say well, I did what I could, but it's not all me, right? I did, I worked with what I've got, but what I've got came from somebody else. I had to have somebody above me with more authority than me and more power than me giving me the ability to do this. It's not all about me. We have opportunities all the time to tell people about Jesus. But I ask you, do we? Or do we just let those opportunities go, knowing that we could have told people about Jesus, that we could have pointed people to Jesus, as I look at this story, this is what I see. I see two men who were 100% convinced that Jesus Christ is God. 
that Jesus Christ is the only name, the only person that can rescue men from hell. They were 100% convinced of that. They had seen it. They knew it personally. And because they were so convinced of it, they couldn't quit telling people. They knew how desperately these people were hurting. They knew how broken people's lives were. They knew that people were living without hope. They knew that men were walking around daily trying to find purpose for their life. They knew that people were working for their own kingdom instead of God's kingdom. That people were working for their own glory instead of God's glory. And they couldn't live with that. So they went around. Everywhere they went, whatever they did, they told people about Jesus. And they prayed for people. And they loved on people. And so I ask you this question this morning. Are you 100% convinced that Jesus Christ is God? Are you 100% convinced that Jesus Christ is the only one that can save people from going to hell forever? Are you 100% convinced that Jesus can give people hope where they don't have hope and peace where they don't have peace and joy where they don't have joy? Are you 100% convinced that what we sang earlier, that Jesus is worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Are you 100% convinced that every single person that calls on Jesus in faith will be saved? Because if we are, then we should also be unable to stop telling people about Jesus. So I ask you this morning, brothers and sisters, why are we not? If we're not. Is it because you don't know him personally? Because if you've never been with Jesus, you wouldn't have this sort of boldness. You wouldn't have this sort of conviction. If you're here this morning and you recognize, maybe for the first time ever, that you don't personally know Jesus, I would love for you to come in a moment and just let me talk to you for just a second. Let's set up a time when we can meet and discuss it further, but let's talk about what it would mean for you to give your life to Christ, what that would look like, how you would go about that. But maybe you're here this morning and you know that you've given your life to Christ, but you know that you're not telling people about Him the way that you should. Pray that you'd use this time to repent. Pray. And ask the Lord to forgive you of that and to give you more boldness to share and tell people about Him. But maybe you're here, and as we stand this morning, maybe you're here and you are excited about Christ. And you do tell people about Christ as we stand, as we stand. Maybe you're here and you do tell people about Christ and you just want to sing out of excitement and joy for who He is. We're going to do that. Because our lives are radically different because of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Nazarene. So let's sing in excitement and joy in response to him. But you do what you need to as Brother Shane leads us in him of invitation.